You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. So, yeah, my name is Gabe. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to ask you a favor, please. Um, could you guys check your shoes? Um, just someone may have walked in with dog poo on their feet, so. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that's, not, that's not a thing. Uh, but could you imagine how awkward it would be if you did? Um, you know, people around you, I, I, some, I, that was probably pretty mean, sorry. It is Father's Day, I get one dad joke, that was it, okay. Um, but, you know, that, that is pretty awkward, right? Have you ever walked into someone's house or on carpet, you know, someone else's house, and you walked through dog poo, and you walked in, and next thing you know, oh, that's kind of a mess, and now you can't be in people's presence, you need to go out, it's a mess, right? Um, so dirty feet is not a good thing, but I do want to ask you a question that is more personal, and how's your heart this morning? You know, what did you walk your heart through this week? And maybe what did you bring in this morning? And just think about that as we, as we, as we dive into John chapter 13 this morning. So just something to think about, because that's really where we're going uh, with this passage in John chapter 13. I'm Gabe Myers. Um, I'm the pastor of the Hispanic Ministries here. And um, we have six kids at home, so I'm really glad to be one of the dads, the violin player up front. That's my daughter, Essie. And, um, and uh, this guy here is a good friend. His name is Tex Newman. Um, does anybody in here know, who, know him? Okay, look at that. There's some people who know this guy. Hi, Milt. Anyway, um, so uh, Tex, Tex Newman is uh, a speaker at a boys' camp out at Eagle Fern Camp. And usually he gives his week up, he goes out there, and he brings all of these airplane models out there, and he shows the boys these models, and he tells stories, his personal life stories, and then stories of missionaries. Um, he gives boys pellet guns, and he flies airplanes close to them so that they can try to shoot it down. Can you imagine? Yeah? That's pretty cool. And sometimes they do come down, and he just... You know, fixes it back up, but it's a lot of work. But over the past uh, couple months, at least, maybe a little more, um, I've been taking my son, Joel, and a good friend, uh, a Kanjar kid, over to visit this guy in his shop. And basically, I asked him, would you, would you consider spending some time with my son? Uh, and then it ended up being, I really liked what was going on. I decided to stick around. Um, <laughs> But uh, basically, he teaches uh, them, he teaches us how to build airplane models. And he does it all, all out of balsa wood, every little piece at a time, every rib uh, at a time. And you take this, this model and you glue it together. And the whole time, he's telling the stories. And before we get there, um, I usually, I'm driving up down and I'll ask the boys, hey, do you guys have a question for, for Tex this morning? Because the airplane model building is the secondary thing. The primary thing is listening to his passion for Christ, his life as a man, what it means to be a husband, uh, a dad. Little questions like, um, hey, did you ever date anybody? 
and he'll go back in time until, yeah, there was, you know, I don't know the names, but he starts telling stories about things. Uh, he's got a fake eyeball, by the way. Um, and he'll tell stories of how he sabotaged things intentionally. Like he popped it out where he wanted more. <laughs> anyway. Um, but this guy's stories, uh, one of the most amazing stories, uh, one of the questions that was asked of him was, what is, if you could give us one thing, that was important in your life, what would it be? What would be the one thing you'd want people to know? And I remember he told us the one thing one week. I can't remember exactly what that was. It's kind of important. But the next week, he corrected it, and he said, you know, I think the one thing is actually something different. And let me go back and tell you. And he describes his childhood, and he said when he was about 11 years old, he came home, and and he had to do something for his dad, and he messed up. And his dad got so upset with him, he took him and he picked him up and he sat him down over and over. And it messed up his spine. And so from age 11 to about 21, he was in pain and using a brace and all these things. And it took him a very long time. And, and during that time period, he said, I only had three, three phrases for dad. Yes, no and go to hell. And, uh, but something happened in his life. And at age 21, he was able to go back and forgive his dad and start over, cleanse the relationship. And so what he would say the one thing is, is learn to forgive. Learn to be forgiven and, and forgive. But let's go with that just this morning. We'll come back to this a little later. We're in John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. And uh, before, just the context of this chapter, uh, a couple chapters back in chapter 11, remember Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And the whole point of that is just to prove, you know, just for people to understand, this is, there's no one's ever been able to do that. There's only one who can raise someone who's dead, and that's someone... That's God. And so Jesus is from God. He comes from God. And there are all these eyewitnesses. People come from all over to see him. And then in the next chapter, his sister, uh, Lazarus' sister, anoints Jesus with this, uh, with, with this perfume that is high, very expensive. And then she dries her hair with this, her, his feet with her hair. Uh, and, and just this, this extra, extravagant worship for Jesus. Because she's just like, there's no one like you. And in the rest of that chapter, Jesus marches into Jerusalem. And the, the, the Jews are expecting the Messiah to come on a white horse, this mighty conqueror. Instead, Jesus walks in on a donkey. Humble. And so he um, challenges the way they would see the Messiah. And so that's kind of the, 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 the setting it's, it's the Passover week is, is already here. Like this is actually the beginning of it. Like they're, they're, they're getting ready for this. And so here's John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus, 
knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, then Lord said, uh, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you're clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So there are four things in this passage that I would just like you to walk away with, and uh, they're about Jesus, four things about Jesus. And personally, I, I think that if you walk away with just knowing Jesus better and that's all you take away, that's worth it, okay? The greatest application you could take is knowing, <laughs> knowing Jesus better. If you know him better, you're going to live out who he is. So four things. The first thing is that Jesus is the king who loves. That's the first thing that is, 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 we see in this passage. Um, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I think about this. Um, John is basically saying he's loved them all along from the beginning, from the time they've met. And I can just go back to when he called each one of them and, and just just sense the love of Christ, how he's calling them from what he's calling them to what he's calling them. And then as they go, um, they're a little flaky. They, dis they go, with, they have disbelief. They're not even sure who he is. You know, they wonder. Um, they have questions. Sometimes they struggle. And Jesus consistently, over and over, just his, his love is consistent all the way through. And this chapter isn't going to be any different. In fact, right here, John is basically saying he loved them to the very end. And let me tell you what he did here at the very end. So this is one of those love pieces I want you to see is what he's saying. Um, it just reminds me of a, of a guy a few years ago, a man by the name of Dave Walt. Now, before he passed away... Um, his son, they did this thing to honor him in his life. They'd rather honor him now while he's around than after he died, right? Like the memorial service, sometimes people will honor someone, and they never said things about him in life to his face. And so they were like, we want to honor you here now. And so uh, Dave was there, and his son Scott, who is a missionary in Austria, uh, came on Zoom and live. I, I don't know if it was live, maybe, but, but he basically 
uh, th- there was a video or somewhere he said, he said about his dad. He said, one of the things I love about you is that you are the same person at home as you are in public. You're the same dad in our home th- that you are when you're in the church or around, around people that, that see you. You're consistent. And I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking, wow, what a standard. I want to be like him. I want to be a, a dad who loves my kids all the time when, when, when I'm at home and when I'm in public where people can see me. That's what I want. And this is Jesus. Jesus consistently loves all the time. And this chapter is basically about that. Um, and the question for me, for us, dads, and moms too, obviously, but am I consistently loving the people around me? Do I love them all the time? Do I love them when I'm alone, when I'm frustrated, <laughs> when I'm angry, maybe tired? And do I love them when I'm happy? Am I, am I consistently loving the people around me? And so uh, it goes on, a couple of things that it says that Jesus knew in this passage, I think are really, really interesting. Um, it says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, right? And the second thing, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. Some questions I'd like to ask God someday. When did Jesus know he could talk? When did he actually start talking? Was he a baby who already knew how to talk and he was just faking it? (laughs) Ba, 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 you know, just doing blabble and then... Someone, no, he obviously, I don't think he was faking it, right? He was, um, uh, when did Jesus perform his first miracle? I know if you know your Bible, you're thinking the, the, the wedding, Cana, right? That's the first one. What if he did it? How did Mary know? Huh? Maybe he was playing down by the pond, you know, and moms would normally say, don't play by, don't play by the water. And maybe she did say it, and next thing you know, he was standing on, jumping up and down in the water. Mom, look at this, you know. I don't, I don't know. But there are these, like, there's so many questions. Um, but one of the things we do know, like Philippians tells us that Jesus uh, put aside, he emptied himself of his godly nature. In Spanish, I know I'm not supposed to do this, like we get our Bible from Hebrew and Greek, right? Not from Spanish, but the word is despojémonos which means like you take this garment and you throw it down. And he takes his, his God nature and he puts it aside. He takes it down. And, and he comes to earth and Hebrews says he learned things like obedience. Didn't say he was, he'd ever sinned, but he learned things. So there are some things he learned. But in this passage, what's interesting, it says he knew like the hour had come. In the, in the previous chapter, he says, uh, Father, glorify, glorify me. And then he says, this is the hour that I've come for. Like this is the whole, the whole reason I'm here is for this hour. The cross is coming and that's what I'm here for. And here he says, he knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Can you imagine finding out? I don't know if he just found out now, but 
But can you imagine finding out suddenly you won the lottery on being the most powerful person in the universe? Or, yeah, what would you do with that? What's so interesting about Jesus is that he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. That's what he chooses to do with all of this power. <laughs> what a picture. What contrast between broken men that would suddenly find out they have all this power. This is what Jesus does. Jesus is our humble Lord. It's one of the things we need to know about him. He is, he is a king with a towel, a basin, and water. And, and there are so many layers when we think about the things he's doing. He's, it's, it's this idea of water, the idea of, of, of washing people's feet goes back a couple of chapters. And you think of Mary, you know, drying his, his feet with her hair. It's just this humble position. Suddenly Jesus is doing this, but Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. And I'm, I'm guessing some are more dirty than others. I don't know, but, but he's humble, and he, he, he washes their feet. So one, um, he, he's serving them, but there are so many pictures of this. One of the pictures is the cross. The whole reason why he came was to die on the cross so that by his blood, by his death, he could wash away our sins. That's, that's the big picture. But then there's, there's also the healing in relationships. And we go to like Ezekiel. This was prophesied way back. God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God is going to wash people, right? That's what he's going to do. Uh, Jesus, when he talks about how he does this, he, later on in John 15, he's going to actually, in, in this, during the same dinner period, more likely, um, he says something very interesting <laughs> to the disciples. He talks about God's pruning in their lives, but then he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The word he had spoken. John has a lot to say about the word. Jesus is the word, right? Um, but but he, he's saying the words of God, what he does, being in relationship with them when, we, when you speak and you listen to Jesus, his words are cleansing. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says the husbands... Um, talks, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. First, he gives himself up, a sacrifice, to wash away sins, and secondly, he cleanses her with his words. And I just think about that, and I want to ask you a question. How is your relationship with the words of God? Are you spending time listening to what God's, God's trying to speak into your life? His words speak of truth. They bring freedom. They define our identity. Um, 
an example, when, when Jesus says to the paralytic, the guy's coming down, he's obviously lame, like he can't walk, his legs don't work. And Jesus' primary focus is, your sins are forgiven. The greatest miracle that he was about to perform, he just did. If you really consider what that meant, you mean I have right standing before God right now? (laughs) Yeah. Truth. Your sins are forgiven. The words of Jesus are powerful. They're huge. Or when he uh, speaks to the woman that was caught in adultery, and he says, I don't condemn you either. (laughs) Go and stop. Go and sin no more. Those words are are empowering. They're grace-filled to go and live in freedom. They're not condemning and judging. These are the words of Jesus. They're very, very powerful. So my question to us is, is, how is my relationship with the words of God? Did I spend time listening to God's word last week, during the week? Am I, am I consistently in it? And I think the question when it comes to God's word is, will I listen to his words and follow his ways for my life? Will I trust Jesus? And I have conversations in the past week with people but one of those things that I, I, I've heard is how can I trust him if he allowed all of this pain and garbage in my life? If you're there this morning, I don't want to minimize the pain. I don't want to minimize what's going on in your life. It's very real. How you process that pain is also really, really important. That's really important how you process the pain and how you deal with it and so just the, the questions how, how is how are you how, 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 how are you relating to the words of God these are real questions sometimes we're unaware that that these questions are loaded with presuppositions they are loaded with the way we see God and the way we see God matters for example in this passage we look at Peter and how he sees God Right? Look, at, look at what he does. He comes to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Are you kidding? <laughs> and then he says, no, you shall never wash my feet. Why? What's his image of Jesus? When he first met Jesus and Jesus is on that fishing boat and he caught all these fish, he suddenly falls at Jesus' feet and he says, Jesus, go away from me because I am a sinful man. I don't deserve to be in your presence. And here it's creeping up again. Jesus, I don't deserve that you would wash my feet. You're too great. I am unworthy. And so I'm going to push you away. What's so nice is Jesus insists, right? <laughs> Jesus, well, hold up, Peter. Don't let, that, don't let that come between us. Look at who I am. That's, that's what Jesus is calling to. Sin has a tendency to uh, make us want to hide from God. Man, all the way from the Garden of Eden until now. You know, that's what it does. And so just a question for you. Are there any images I might be imposing on God? Any ideas, preconceived ideas on what he might be like? We tend to think he's a sinner like me. Therefore, he's going to react like me if I were in that position. And he's not. That's not who he is. So is there anything that you have that you're bringing that says, this is what God is like? 
It could be from what you, maybe something you got from your dad. I had a conversation with one guy, you know, basically he took the way his dad was and he's saying, this is what God is like. And yes, we're built in God's image, but boy, yeah, as a dad, I love my kids and I want to be an example and I want to be like Christ, but I, I, I fall short. <laughs> so, so I want to encourage my kids, you know what? When I fall short, please look to Jesus. Please look to Jesus. Pray for me. Let's talk about it. So do I see Jesus as humble and approachable? How do you see Jesus? And I love this picture. Is that how you see Jesus? Do you see him as, as saying, I would like to, you to come in, let me wash your feet? This is one of those pictures that as a dad, I think of my kids when they couldn't change their own diapers, right? And oftentimes when kids are silent, it's like, uh-oh. You know, that's not a good sign. Um, so I'll call, you know, I, I, yeah, I'll call their name. And it's like silence. Eventually they'll come out, you know, I'm like, what's going on? You know, and you can smell it, right? So, so then, you know, it, and, and when I was first a father, you know, early on, it was a little bit like, you know, oh, this is kind of rough. But over time, one of the best moments I had with my kids was actually changing their diapers. It really was. It was actually kind of fun. I know you're probably thinking that's weird. But Jesus, this is what he came to do. This is, he wants to do this. He wants to invite you into a relationship and have you come and, and just give him everything. Let him cleanse your life. Um, this is Jesus. Third, Jesus is the only one who can truly cleanse your life. There's no one else. He said to Peter, right? Jesus uh, said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And obviously Peter's like, well, okay, but I don't, I really want, I, I want to be with you, right? But, but unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So questions for you, you know, are you allowing Jesus to cleanse your life? Relationship is a continual thing. One of the things that's really interesting in this picture is uh, the idea of culturally they would just have this base and they, people would, would, would bathe probably before they went to visit someone, right? Uh, but then when you get there, your feet are dirty. And so the idea was the foot cleansing was about ongoing relationship, about being able to be with each other and, and it not being weird. Like just, that was just what it was. It was invi inviting relationship. And so in this, in this section, he's t telling Peter, unless I wash you, there's no one else who can wash, wash your sins away. That's what Jesus came to do. He's the only one who can wash your sins away, right? But he's also one that if you, are, if you ha are have a relationship with him, if you know him as your savior, if you invited him in to cleanse your sins, to be right with God, then when we have this ongoing relationship, we walk with him, we interact with him, there's this constant cleansing. He invites us to come and, and whatever I'm struggling with, it, bring it to him regularly. Keep accounts short, <laughs> right? Do it, do it regularly. Um, so this is what he says to him. So just a question for us uh, before we get there. Those who have had their, a bath need only to wash their feet. 
Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. Who's he talking about? Judas. Can you imagine being Jesus and washing Judas' feet? He loves even those who are going to betray him. He loves, and he's cleansing his feet, right? He's, he's washing his feet, but his heart, not washed. He hasn't taken the bath. He hasn't fully trusted Jesus. He's there, he's, uh, man, he's doing miracles in Jesus' name. He's enjoying the privilege of being around him, of seeing all these miracles, but he doesn't, he hasn't invested, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. This is Judas and then he, Jesus says, do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand what I have done for you? And I just, I want us to consider that for a minute. Do we truly understand what Jesus is doing? Remember when I told you a little bit earlier about text and about uh, his life? And when you look back at the disciples, basically Jesus sits down, he just washed their feet. But this isn't just about feet washing. That meant something. And it basically meant what I have done for you from the moment I've come into relationship with you to now, I have served you. You've, you were a lost sinner, purposeless, and I've given you identity, I've forgiven you, I've cleansed you, and I'm giving you purpose. Like, this is, this is who you are, and it's in relationship with Jesus. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you, right? And so the question for us, do you understand what Jesus has done for you? Do you, do you understand what the cross means? Do you understand what it means to be in relationship with Jesus? And something to consider, do I need relational healing in my life? That ongoing relational healing with Jesus is one thing, but also, do, do I, like, do we turn to Jesus? For, but what about relational healing in our relationships with other people? What if when, we had, when people come over, when we're, when we're interacting with them, the first thing we're considering is, are there any issues I need to deal with? Like, I get that maybe the moment isn't the right thing, but is there an obstacle between us that I need to get out of the way? And just to constantly evaluate myself, what is it that I, maybe there's something between us that I'm not aware of, and, and I want to I go there. I want to keep my relationship clean. I want to cleanse it, forgive apologize, just this. And, and secondly, do I turn to Jesus for cleansing? If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you're here this morning and you could say, yeah, my heart has been dragged through the mud and there are things I'm carrying that I, I can't get rid of, Jesus invites you to have a conversation with him. Just say, Lord, please, I need your help. And this is Jesus. He will take your life. He will wipe your sins away. He will wipe your guilt away. He will help you start over. He'll help you restore your life. That's what he's, he'll give you eternal life. He, he's with you. So are we turning to Jesus? Um, at the end of this chapter, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So this idea, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus is the example. He's our example. 
someone who walks with people, forgives people, cleanses people. Being in his presence is a healing presence. That's who Jesus is. And so, how am I doing the same? That's the question. How can I do the same in my relationships at home, in my neighborhood? How am I doing this? Can I do the same thing? And secondly, how can I bring relational cleansing in my relationships? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to reach out to? Is there someone you can serve? And I'm just thinking about some things going on this summer. We've got BBS, some things that were already mentioned. Uh, there's Service County coming up. There are many ways we can serve. Uh, but I just want to put a plug in here for, for our children's ministries. Jen Ingram can't be here to say, hey, I need help because she's serving. But I want you to know she needs help. Our children need help. And I, I know sometimes I've heard this from people 50 years or over, sometimes like, you know what, I'm not relevant anymore. You know, I don't quite connect with the younger people. Student ministry is the same. Text Newman, at least 77. <laughs> and he relates. And when we get there, we listen to his music. He's the DJ. <laughs> And he plays his music, and it's really good stuff, and there's stories, and the kids start talking about it. And at first, it's like, oh, what's that? And then they start asking questions about the songs. But yes, you're, this is love. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can love people. He's, Tex is really good at this. I knew another guy by the name of Jim Dryden who was in his 80s, almost 90, and he was out at this camp hanging out with middle schoolers. And they loved him. And I just want you to know you have so much to offer. I think of what C.J. Coffey said a few, uh, a few weeks ago where he said, in our society here, it, it's kind of dishonoring to the older generation. Um, we, don't, we don't honor them, but if you go to any other, any other country, almost, you know, other cultures, and the, the older people are wise. They're looked at as wise. They're honored. And they're looked at for advice. So you have so much to offer. You've got life you've lived. If you're there, we need you. If you're young, if you're not married, or if you are, we need your help. We need people to invest in other people. We need people to serve. We need people to love other people. That's something we really need in this church. It doesn't matter who you are. So I just want to, I want to put a plug, and I want to invite you to be part of this. Um, Tex Newman. He loves people. And he's got a skill. That guy's been building airplanes since he was five years old. <laughs> so I don't think we could have found a better guy for this. But that is secondary. He brings that skill and he just connects with people to be able to speak to them about his own life. And that story about forgiveness between his father and himself it's just one of the stories that we've gotten to hear. I could share so many more just from his life. Um, but I just want to invite you as we move into, into prayer and move into worship, I, I want to ask you to just take a moment and pray and consider where you're at. Just think about what is God calling you? How is your relationship with the Lord? First, I want to invite you to just come into Jesus' presence. Allow him to wash your feet. And secondly, See him for who he is. 
And hopefully that drives us to worship. Glory to his name. Amen. Amen. Um, I just want to invite you, if you have any questions about what it means to follow Jesus, there is uh, something happening in the cafe called Next Steps. You can go and there are people waiting for you that would love to have a conversation with you. If you'd like to talk to me uh, or other people wearing one of these things, go ahead and do that. Uh, But just just come and connect. We'd love to talk. And uh, the other thing, just want to invite you to just, just pray. And so there are some prayer teams to my left and my right. And they're also here. They would love the opportunity to just pray with you. Uh, if you'd like to spend some time with Jesus and allow him to do some washing, this is the time. And it's a great place to do it in community. So I would like to invite you to just pray. Father, thank you so much for the blood that's applied. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for leaving your credentials in heaven and choosing to come as a man and to love us and for being such a wonderful king. We love you. And Lord, I just ask that you'd help us to go and and wash each other's feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So go and wash some feet. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.